How's it going? I'm Xander Fryer, just another millennial corporate dropout turned entrepreneur. Since quitting my day job as an engineer just over four years ago, I built a multi-million dollar coaching business, mentoring seven-figure business owners, professional athletes, award-winning musicians, Hollywood actors, best-selling authors, and hundreds of aspiring entrepreneurs. I truly believe that when we couple the right knowledge with a strong desire for action, anything is possible. But most of us are never given the right knowledge, the shit you don't learn in college. The Sidlik Podcast shares interviews from the world's most successful people in business, finance, sports, health, and entertainment in order to help you live a life filled with more money, more meaning, and more freedom than you ever thought possible. Get ready to learn the shit you don't learn in college. All right, how's it going? Welcome back to another episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. Uh, I'm your host, Xander Fryer, and today we've got an interesting one for you. My good friend, Jimmy Rex. Jimmy's an entrepreneur, realtor, coach, speaker, and mentor. He's best known for his top-rated podcast, The Jimmy Rex Show, and his best-selling book, You End Up Where You're Heading. But his life is so much more than that. He's a real estate expert, having sold over 2,500 homes in his career, an angel investor in over a dozen businesses. Uh, And Jimmy is also an adrenaline junkie that loves to give back, always looking for the next great story, whether swimming with tiger sharks, climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, running with bulls, or working undercover to help rescue kids from being sex trafficking. That's right. Jimmy is never bored. Recently, he returned back from his 70th country visited, and his mission is to share love with all and show everyone around him how to live an extraordinary life. Now, this episode is going to be a little bit different. I actually did an interview for Jimmy's show and we got into some really deep conversations and we decided that we wanted to share the podcast with you guys as well. So uh, in it, we're going to dig into the history of the current education system and why it's so messed up, the importance of the freedom freedom of information in our world today, how I define success after interviewing hundreds of people, hundreds of successful people, and how to make hard decisions faster. And don't forget, we only spread our message when you share this knowledge with others that need it. So if you enjoy this episode, please share it on your social and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. Every week, my team goes through and review goes through our reviews, and every new five-star review we get, we plant a tree to restore the rainforest of Madagascar and provide a child in India one year of e-learning. So give us a review and you're giving back too. All right, well, uh, one thing that I know is that college was uh, a fun thing that I did, but it was also not the most important thing that I did as far as having success in life. And that's probably because of the way it was taught. And one of the things that I love about my guest today, he has his own podcast called Shit They Don't Teach You in College. Um, I might have messed up the name, but that's essentially what Close it is. Close enough. Close but, enough. But, uh, dude, Xander, uh, amongst being a top executive business coach and everything else you got going on, dude, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. Dude, so why start that? It's funny that you started that podcast because I had a similar idea. I was going to call it eighth period and I was going to basically have an online course or training or YouTube series or something where I just got all these people like, you know, it's funny, like we're still teaching, you know, like the history of, I don't know, like Rome and the Greek and all that kind of stuff. But people don't know how to do taxes or how to take care of their health. Like I remember when I was 
after I'd graduated college, I still thought eating granola bars was like a healthy part of my diet, dude. I didn't yeah. understand anything about the human body. And like when it came to taxes and saving and how money works and all these different things, I had no idea. And it's just, it's just funny, the things that we teach and the things that we don't. Yeah. Well, this, you, you kind of hit it on the nose, right? There's so much stuff that is absolutely essential for us as humans to be happier, healthier, wealthier, more fulfilled. And none of that is taught in the one area where you'd expect it to be taught, the education system. Um, and so, you know, really when I learned this, you know, I went to, I went to UCLA, it's a good school. I paid, uh, I paid my way through college. I don't come from wealthy parents. So I paid, you know, $120,000 to get an education there, went to the corporate world, had what everybody told me was success. Right. Uh, but I didn't feel successful. I didn't feel fulfilled. I, I wasn't happy. I was, you know, just chasing that, like, what is this success thing the whole time? Um, and it wasn't until I, I quit my job, went down the path of entrepreneurship and really opened my mind to learning more that I learned all of these things. And I was like, holy crap, like, what, wh like, where did this come from? And how come none of this is taught? And, and for the last five years, I've actually, uh, it might be a bit of an unhealthy addiction, but like, I I've dug really deep into like, what is the education system? Why we have the current education system and, and what education systems from, you know, past, uh, uh, civilizations actually worked uh, a lot better than what we have today. Well, let's so. get into that a little bit. I think that's a fascinating topic that, you know, enough people don't understand. Um, so tell us a little bit about where the current system did come from. I think that's actually a very interesting topic. Yeah, I'm probably going to piss some people off, but that's that's kind of what I do. You're so not, if you're not pissing some people off, you're probably not doing much with your life. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so really, if you go back, if you go back to, uh, let's look at like, um, you know, Greco-Roman times. This, this actually, this system actually originated with, uh, with Socrates and Plato. Um, and if anybody's heard of the trivium or the quadrivium, um, it's kind of the foundation for the seven liberal arts. Um, but the trivium, which was the pillar for what, what's referred to as mastery back in Greco-Roman times, um, basically in, in uh, that time period, once you mastered these three things, you would be considered a individually contributing member of society. Like you are actually somebody that could contribute to society rather than just detracting from society. Uh, and the trivium is basically three things. Um, first one is grammar, which is essentially the ability to learn, right? So you learn grammar so that you can learn on your own. The second one is reasoning and logic, right? Um, so you can reason and, and be logical as a person. And the third one um, is rhetoric or the ability to critically think and re-deliver something that you bring into your ecosystem. Um, so these are really the three things. Sounds simple enough, and you can understand it very quickly from a high-level concept, but mastering those three things is very different, right? Mastering the ability to learn, the ability to have good logic and reasoning skills, and the ability to critically think and critically question about the world around you. Um, now, mastering those things took decades, and then you move into imperialistic Rome, right? So in imperial Rome, milita military expansion is kind of one of the major focuses. And what makes a terrible soldier? Someone who can learn on their own, someone who reasons on their own, and somebody who critically questions everything that they are told, right? So basically, in, imperialist, in imperialistic Rome, they did away with this old way of, of education, um, and turned it into what we now know as outcome-based learning, basically teaching people how to get a very specific outcome rather than teaching them how to learn, teaching them the fundamentals. Um, you know, I, I equate it to like, um, you know, if you were to start playing the piano today and I were to give you a piece by, by Beethoven, right? 
like after a couple of months, you can actually probably learn that piece by Beethoven. But if then, if then I gave you a piece by, you know, Bach, you, you wouldn't be able to do anything with it because you didn't master the fundamentals of scales. You didn't master the fundamentals of reading sheet music or any of those things, right? And this is actually the way that our modern education system is set up because if you look at the modern world, um, while we're not in necessarily a, a militaristic expansion world, well, what is what is economic expansion? It's very similar. It's it's almost like uh, an economic version of imperialism, right? So we are focused on creating soldiers within the economic machine, and what that leads to, you know, there's a reason that you know I think Forbes did a study. It's something like 81% of all people that are in nine to fives are either disengaged, unhappy, or unfulfilled with their work. Four out, of, wow, that's four a out of five people. number, dude. Yeah, four out of five people because they're never taught how to actually become an individual before they actually plug themselves in the, into the machine. Well, and it's interesting that you say that. I mean, you can see how governments, you said something very important. You said, like, governments kind of need you to fall in line. They need the masses yeah. to kind of do what they need them to do. And oh, yeah. me if I'm wrong, I, I read somewhere that the, the modern school system was set up for these in, industry leaders to get people to work in factories. They needed to be able to, take orders and stay yep. in line, right? Like, dude, I, when I was a little kid, I got in trouble so much in school because thank God I'm wired this way. I just am. But I don't like to fall in line. I don't like to take orders. I question yep. everything. My favorite book growing up was Curious George and my favorite movie was Problem Child, dude. Like, that's yep. who I was. I needed to know how things were working and why, you know? And so the whole idea of just falling in line, being quiet, I mean, that's why my response to the pandemic has been so extreme in the opposite direction of where they want you to go with it because it's like, no, question again. It's like this weird thing in society now where you're like, can't ask good questions. Like you, you get censored on Facebook if you're just yep. simply asking questions. If you're just curious, but and you see curious. How, this is yeah. literally, this is literally a, like the third pillar of mastery in ancient Greece, critical questioning. And now if you do it today, you're ostracized. Yeah, it's like literally the you're literally looked down upon for even asking the questions like, you know, like you talk about all the different with coronavirus and everything that came out, like just to ask the questions like, oh, maybe this, um, you know, these pills might actually help me the hydroxychloride or whatever it was called, you know, yeah. but all of a sudden just asking the question gets you literally banned on Instagram and Facebook and then yeah. it comes out now that it was right all along you had a 200% better chance of winning if you're of living if you were taking it, you know, so I it just it boggles my mind. And I question, I wonder how we can kind of break through that. And that's why I love what you're doing with your podcast is you're just saying like, look, we're just going to look at education a different way. And yeah. the, the cool thing about the internet is it kind of broke their monopoly on information and the way you- And that's, it, and right? I think that's what you, you asked, how do we break that? It's, it's information, right? Mm -hmm. So information and proper, proper like information, freedom of information is really where it comes from. As soon as, as soon as the corporations or as soon as the government has control over the information, you know, this is a lot of the issues that we see in, uh, you know, a lot of countries that we would say are not, you know, the, the best at freedom. And, you know, we're starting to do some of that here in the US, which is a little bit dangerous when you think about it, right? So giving that control of information to other people that have agendas, people will always have agendas, yeah. right? I don't care who you are. I don't care how much you, you meditate and you read books by the Dalai Lama like people will always have agendas. And so the best thing you can do is have the freedom of information and for people that are curious to be allowed to go down that path. Well, and, you know, I've studied enough of history too. Like you look at, you know, the, the Catholic church after it was established in, you know, the fourth <laughs> century, the way that they kept people in line for literally a millennium was nobody was allowed to read the Bible. They wouldn't even do it in their language. And yeah. finally people came along and translated it. 
And once they could read the Bible, they're like, wait, it says different things than what they're teaching us. And that's yeah. when Martin Luther and all these other you know, groups started kind of breaking off and going, this isn't what the Bible even says. You just weren't reading us the parts of it that uh, weren't going along with what your you know, religion Contro- is. Controlling the information, yeah. Yeah, well, and then you look at, you know, I, um, you can look at a lot of basically the way that uh, current society is set up, um, you know, with the internet out and so many people able to research things in so many different ways. Uh, it's kind of like they can't really control it anymore. They tried to the last stand of kind of trying to control it. Um, a lot of the 60s to me was a lot of free thinkers. There was a lot of people that were coming out, right? Like the psychedelic movement yep. was not this weird, dangerous movement. What it was is a lot of free thinkers, a lot of people going, wait, why are we going to Vietnam? Like all yeah. of a sudden they started questioning the authorities, started questioning the government. And the government was like, well, we can't be having this. Right. And that was why the whole war on drugs essentially started in the first place. Yeah, that's that's pretty crazy. But a lot of it comes back to that, you know, like desire for control and the desire for power. Right. When the reality is like if we're if and, and I think, you know, this kind of goes back to the, um, you know, allowing that that freedom of information. If I, I truly believe and maybe this is maybe this is just uh, I don't know, maybe I watched too many Disney movies growing up and I have too much faith in like good always coming out. But I truly believe that like humans in the end, if left to their own devices, will end up finding a path for good. Right. But I actually actually agree with that as well. I think like ultimately the human race is very good at making itself survive. So it adapts and does things so that it keeps going forward. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, one of the reasons that we try and what, one of the reasons we try and control the education system, we try and control power, we try and control information, whatever it might be is, is out of fear. It's out of fear to, to, you know, we can justify and say, yeah, you know, I'm doing this for the greater good, but it's like, well, what gave you the authority to, to make decisions for everybody else, right? Rather than educating them and allowing them to make their own decision. So what are a couple, I mean, your podcast has been out for a couple of months now, you're getting huge downloads. What are a couple of the things that you've shared or give us a couple of things that, you know, that has got people to tune into your podcast that maybe you could teach to my audience and kind of help them be a little more interested in, in some of these things they didn't learn in college, I guess. Oh man, there's a lot of different stuff on there. I think so. We we kind of go down, at least from what I've noticed, we kind of go down um, really like three different areas so far that we've really gone down. Um, number one is you know kind of the money route, right? And and whether or not we want to admit it, money and finances is a is a huge huge portion of all of our lives. It's a big driver that's closely tied and closely connected to uh, your your health, your wealth, your well obviously your wealth, your relationships, how you feel, your emotions. Um, so so money it's it's tied to how you live and keeping you alive and safe and uh, you know all these things. So understanding what money is um, and being able to learn how to make money and learn how to make money. Um, in a in a uh, moral way and be able to bring value to the world and and you know entrepreneurship and that sort of stuff uh, is one of the major routes that we go down. I think the second route that that I find uh, and you kind of already alluded to this that I find absolutely fascinating that most of us are never taught is our own health, how our body works, like our physical health. Um, so we dig into things like, you know, we dig deep into nutrition and how you can, uh, you know, how you can heal things like autoimmune disorders. We dig into uh, mental health and how that actually affects the human body. We dig into how to stress manage and, and overcome anxiety. You know, anxiety and stress is at an all-time high, yet 
we've we've never been like you know stress and and anxiety and fear was originally you know evolutionarily programmed into us so we could survive let's say a bear attack or a saber-toothed tiger attack right you know fight or flight like i got to defend myself that's where this stress and anxiety comes from we've never been in a time in society where we've had less actual like death like fight or flight moments yeah it's really like the amount of threats we have on a daily basis is very, very, very yeah. minimal compared to any other time well, in history. Well, daily basis, try yearly basis, right? Like, or, yeah. or like lifetime basis, right? Yeah. And, and, but the reality is we have more fight or flight moments than ever before. Right. And so, but a lot of this is because we don't understand how our body works. We don't understand how to regulate our hormonal systems. Right. You know, however many thousands of years ago, you had very few inputs into your world now and even just over even just over the last 50 years the amount of inputs thanks to social media the internet uh, tv all of these things uh, just over the last 20 years the amount of inputs has gone up about a hundredfold right well what happened for the you know the the all the time before that that's just over the last 20 years it's gone up a hundredfold well and i right? just I, I always say you know the number of things that people worry about on a daily basis like people just let the media kind of tell them what to be worried about like yeah. if you just if you just turned off your tv and your phone you wouldn't really worry about that many things. There's not that many things. There's not that many problems in the world that you should be concerned about. But unfortunately, there's got to be this outrage all the time. Like you see these people that post every single like social injustice or thing that like the turtles one week and the camels the next. And they're just like, it's like, dude, how do you live your life worrying about this many things at once? Like you yeah. can't do that. Like pick a cause, ignore the rest, like block names and yeah things that you don't like and freaking, you know, it's not that many problems in the world you need to be concerned with. Cause frankly, my buddy talks about this. He's a very influential guy here in Utah. And he says, I have this thing called the circle of influence. He says, basically, if it's inside the circle of influence, your circle to your ability to do something about it, then you can worry about it. Yeah. But if it's not, then you need to work, not worry about it. Get, you get it out of your world. Your, well, work on getting your circle bigger so that you yeah. eventually can do something about it. I love that. Most people are worried about this thing outside here they can't do anything about. <laughs> it's like, no, no, worry about getting your circle bigger or worry about what is inside your circle. Yeah. And those are, those are really the only things that you should actually have any mental energy going towards. But so that's that's a huge topic that we've we've heard come up several times, um, you know, from from whether it's doctors to professional athletes to, to high level entrepreneurs. Um, and I think the third thing that, that we hear coming up a ton is fulfillment. Right. So what is true? You know, that idea of self-actualization, what is true fulfillment? What does it take to actually uh, get to that point where you're you're a happy healthy, fulfilled human being and, and what that actually means to people. So let's dive into that a little bit. I mean, Tony Robbins, one of my favorite all-time quotes is success without fulfillment is the ultimate failure. Yeah. And so I think when I heard that, I was like, oh, geez. Like, it's, it's funny. I just, I literally just had uh, Jack Canfield on the show a couple, couple of days ago, and he said almost the exact same quote. He just said, success isn't success if you are not aligned and fulfilled with what you're doing. Sure. Well, I think yeah. there's a few people I know that, you know, according to wealth or some of those kind of things, they're, they're super successful, but they are miserable. And I'm like, yep. and they are like, of all the people I see, I'm like, that's the last person I would want to be. You I, don't know wanna, I, mean? I don't want to be you. I don't care how much money you make. No, yeah. Like there's, I got a buddy dude that's worth a couple, well, an old buddy of mine, we're not really friends anymore, but he's worth a couple billion dollars. And literally I was the last friend that was standing by him. And he kind of screwed me over. And it was like, and once I kind of saw it, I couldn't unsee it. And I'm just like, geez, man, he's got all the money in the world now. And he doesn't have a single person yep. to go enjoy that with. That to me is like, 
the ultimate hell, right? Like the ultimate yeah. failure, like the ability to share all the goodness in the world and you have nobody to go do it with. Like that would make me so sad. But so let's dive into that a little bit. Sure. So what does one need to be uh, fulfilled as opposed to solely just successful? So, so, and it's, it, we've, we've had enough conversations with people so far that the, the themes that I keep hearing um, basically come back to, to three things. And I think foundationally, everybody, everybody always believes monetarily success is success, right? Um, and the reality is there's enough studies that are done on this. There's, there's a level, there's a level of income that you reach that as you go up in income each, you know, whatever it is, 10,000 or $20,000 a year that you go up, like the, the, the amount that that affects your happiness is incredibly nominal. And it's like, it's somewhere between like 70 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. I heard there's a new study. They upped it to 120,000 in today. Yeah. Yeah. And so over 120,000, it's very difficult to get more happiness through more money. And, and yeah, exactly. So, so once you're at this, once you're at this $120,000 mark or whatever it is, it's like, what that does, and you know, like, because there's there is actually some truth to like money can. It's not that money can buy happiness. It's just money can buy yourself out of a lot of stress. Buys you like, out of stress, and it buys you a lot of freedoms to do. Buys you, really buys you the freedoms. So so getting getting to a certain monetary point is actually really important for success. Agreed. Um, but after that, whether you make uh, you know 150k a year, you make a million a year, you make a billion, like there's there, it's nominal differences. Now, after that point, really the three things that we've, because we ask this question to every single one of our clients, like what does success actually mean to you? Um, and it always comes down to, to these three things. Um, number one is enjoying what you do. So enjoy, like actually being present and enjoying whatever it is that you're doing. Um, because like you mentioned, you can make a billion dollars, but if you hate your life, then yeah, what's, what, well, what's the good there? That right? was so obvious to me too. Like I had a guy, he reached out to me and he But it's less to obvious to most people for some reason. I don't That's know fair. why. Well, it's like you spend eight to 10 hours of your day doing this. Of yeah. course you need to be happy doing it or you're not going to be fulfilled. Think, like that's a third of your day is spent I on think, But that, see, what you're talking about right there is the reason why it's so obvious to you that most people don't get, right? I tell, I, I tell everybody, like if everybody, if everybody honestly admitted that at some point they're going to die, right? Most people, everybody knows they're going to die. But if you honestly admit that at some point you're going to die, your life will be over. You don't, you have a very limited amount of time on this earth and it is actually a lot shorter than you think, right? If you admit that to yourself, then you start to be a little bit more aware of how you're spending your time, right? You start to think, okay, that, that, you know, eight hours yesterday that I gave up for my, you know, for my paycheck, like that's eight hours that I can never get back. Right. And that starts to shift the way that you think because you're like, okay, I, even if it's about making money and I do need to make money, I'm going to need to do it doing something that I actually give a shit about. Right. Well, yeah, because I mean, even if you like, even if you had the greatest job in the world and say it provided that other eight hours of your day that you were awake for the greatest life ever, you're still half of your day yeah. is still miserable. Like that's your happiness fulfillment level. So that's the first thing I tell people. I, I was, what I was saying is I was with this guy. He invited me to, he asked me if I go to lunch with him. He's just down in the dumps. He's just completely not happy with where he's at. And, and he, I, he basically said, 
he's like, you know, I'm miserable in my job. And I said, well, dude, you need to quit. (laughs) The problem is, is he's a doctor and he spent a lot of time and effort to get there. And he's like, you know, like then what? And I'm like, who cares? I'm like, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how many times I I have doctor friends of mine that are like, you know, I remember I had a conversation with a doctor friend of mine that was like just finishing his residency. At this point, he's whatever it is, 12 years into this process and going, I hate this. Like, I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And he's a half million dollars in debt. But he's so deep, it's it's mm-hmm. scary for him to even ponder possibly turning around. Well, and this actually goes back to the school system because like this guy, you know, it's like his best case scenario is he's a miserable doctor now. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> but it goes back to the school system. We ask people to choose what they're going to do with the rest of their life when they're 18, yep. 19 years old. Like, you don't know what you want to do. The yep. gift that I had, I went on a two-year Mormon mission. So I got two extra years to figure it out, right? And then after that, I didn't really... I didn't really apply to any schools. I didn't know what I was going to do. I was going to play college baseball. So I was kind of all over the place. And because of that, I tried like 10 different things. I was going to be a broadcaster. I took all these news broadcasting classes. I was like, don't like that. Don't want to be poor and living in Butte, Montana for the first three years of my life trying to make money. So then I was like, okay, well then I'm going to maybe I'll go into the military. And I gave that a look and nope, that's not the answer. And then you do all these different things, but my gift was but that, that I didn't came. That came. Choose. Yeah, that came before having to choose. And most people are forced. Right. Like I, when I went to UCLA, what are you going to do with your life? Well, I was really good at math, so I guess I'm going to be an engineer, right? Like that was essentially chosen for me by my high school like guidance counselor. That was like, yeah, apply for an engineering degree. You're really good at math and sciences. And I was like, okay. Well, right. and I kind of want to get into your story of that because that's exactly what happens, right? Like in your own story, I mean, you were making a couple hundred thousand dollars a year. You're working at Cisco. Mm-hmm. Things are going well. And you just kind of said, screw it, right? I mean, I guess I'll let you tell the story, but. Do you, do you want me to go to that story? You want me to finish up the three things that lead to success? Three things. Then I want to hear okay. that because it kind of all then ties we'll, then we'll together. Come back. I can see how you learned that so well because it came from your own experience, you know? Yeah. So, so to, to, to kind of, you know, close off the loop of the three things, uh, cause my engineering mind would go crazy if we didn't finish that. And my, and my brain doesn't give a shit. It's just, the listeners that were like, please finish your thought, but please finish the thought. So, so the, the, the first thing is obviously like doing something that actually like it, you, you're, you're happy with, you enjoy doing because uh, if you're spending all, and you're never, but, and I just, uh, I just did an interview with Jordan Harbinger and, and he said something that was really profound. Cause I think too many people, once they go from like not enjoying something at all. They say, I'm never going to do anything, but just the shit that I enjoy. And he goes, I think that's the stupidest thing ever. You want to do something that you mostly enjoy because you're always going to have shit that you just absolutely despise as part of what you do. Um, but if you mostly enjoy it, you'll be good. And that's, so that's actually a very good point too. Cause like when I got into real estate, you know, I love real estate now. Like I feel like I picked the perfect career for me, but there's yeah. those first six or seven years, five years, especially were so hard. I did a lot of work every day. I didn't love, but yeah. I knew where it was leading. I knew where it was going. And so it was like, I mostly enjoyed it. So it's very well said. It was like, I did not enjoy prospecting every day, but yep. the difference between, you know, those that are successful and those that are unsuccessful is that successful people have merely learned to enjoy doing the things that unsuccessful people don't want to do. And that was so, a on my wall for years. Yep. That is so you're, you're hitting, life. you're, you're hitting a, a perfect transition to number two right? Perfect transition to number two is the number two thing is you have to be growing and developing. So growth and development, getting out of your comfort zone, pushing yourself, stretching yourself. Now here's the truth. Growth and development is the exact opposite of doing something that you enjoy because most of the time growth hurts, 
right? If, if, if you, th- if you're someone that says, I love growing, you are lying to yourself because growth hurts. Like it is stretching yourself. It is, it is strenuous. Like if you think of growing a muscle at the gym, it's like lifting heavy weight. It's straining the muscle to actually get there. It can actually be painful to do it. And what I found is, so, you know, basically you have to have this interesting balance between, like you mentioned, really, really having fun and enjoying what you're doing but also learning to enjoy the growth process and doing the things that you don't want to do because you know it will grow you and develop you and what what will come from the future. And that's the really interesting balance that you have to have both of in order to actually have that success there. Well, when I was, you know, when I was going through the downturn in real estate, 2007, 8, 9, I mean, it was brutal. It was so hard. Like every day you would work all day and you really very little, very little results would come from it. But it was just like when I was doing my mission, I mean, we worked 12 hour days. At the end of those days, when I was working through that and everything, I was so satisfied. I, I felt so fulfilled because yeah. when you put in a hard day's work, and this is my whole problem with the entire left's agenda of handouts and bailouts <laughs> and all those different things, like without getting political about it, is when you give people things, bailout, the very word, right, or handout or like subsidies or whatever, you rob them. It's I, mean, I want them to all have their basic needs met, but you rob them of the fulfillment the happiness that yep. comes only, only through achievement. I was listening to yep. Andy Frisella the other day and he said, show me one thing in your life that was ever great that came from being comfortable. Show me yep. one thing in anybody's life that came from staying comfortable. Nothing, nothing ever comes great from being in a comfortable place. So when you fall in love with the grind and at the end of the day, you're like, man, like, I really did it today. Like I really put that work in. It's the feeling you get at the top of a hike. It's the feeling you get at the end of a workout. Like there's a reason you get those feelings because you know, you put the effort in, you put the work in. Yeah. So if, and and that's what we always tell people, right? Cause it's like, there are, there are people that will always put the work in and they'll do whatever it takes, but they're not doing something that they actually care about and can find joy in it. Yeah, and they're all yeah. the way on this side. And then there's people that just want to do what makes them happy, but they're not willing to do the work and, and grow and they will forever be unfulfilled. They'll be happy, but they will forever be unfulfilled. So really like, you know, if you want to master life, you have to do two seemingly disparate and opposite things at the same time, which is do something really hard and difficult and grow and enjoy the process. And that's really what you're looking at there. Um, and then did, did you have something? You look oh, like I was just going to say, you know, <laughs> If you ever listen to Kobe Bryant or, you know, some of these guys, when they talk about it, like they truly found the love was in doing the work and anybody yeah. that's built something great, you either get the Andre Agassi effect where he's like, no, I'm going to mask this with drugs and sex and rock and roll, everything I can because I'm miserable. Right. Or yep. you get the effect where you go, no, I truly am living my best life. Like that's, but you know, you see too many people sacrifice one or the other. And I really think we've hit on something here where if you truly want to be fulfilled in all those, because Tony Robbins talks about his six human needs to be fulfilled. And two of those are growth and contribution. And so yeah. you really have to be growing. You have to be contributing. And if you're not, that's where you go, okay, hold on. Why not? Why am I not? Like, how could I change my career or my job or my outset to be growing and be contributing? So anyway, kind yeah. of to wrap that up. Yeah. And that, and that brings us to the third one you kind of hit on as well, contribution. So the third thing that keeps coming up when it comes to being successful is uh, human connection and contribution. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the third thing that really makes people happy and fulfilled and successful is relationships and being able to actually give and, and bring value to the relationships that they have. So it's serving others, bringing value to others, having strong human connection. 
Um, and that's really, you know, the part that's actually incredibly easy to do, like connect with others, be, you know, be empathetic, uh, care about them and serve them. You don't have to have a million dollars in your bank account to be able to do this. Anybody can do it starting today. Right. Yeah. yeah and that, you know, to me, the biggest problem with the response to the coronavirus and the pandemic and everything was they were trying to break people's connections and yeah. that contribution piece. Like it really was. And so from very early on, I weekly was trying to get everybody together. I was trying to get people yep. physically in each other's spaces. This whole, let's have a zoom cocktail party bullshit doesn't work <laughs> for me, dude. And we, you know, you were part of a mastermind together where there's a hundred of us, dude, if we had to do like, there's a weekly call where we're all a part of it. And we, some of the smartest trainers in the world on these calls and nobody's on, dude. I don't know if you've taught it yet. I taught it once. There was like six people on and nobody cares. I've jumped on two or three times. Yep. Nobody's on them. But when we meet in person, those are some of the best weekends of your life because 100%. you're just connecting. And so I just, I always emphasize people getting together. I keep posting on my Instagram. Every time I go somewhere where there's a ton of people and I've purposely been going places, there's a lot of people. I keep posting, you know, your weekly reminder that the pandemic is over because I want people to get together, dude. Like I, I love that. And, and it's like, I, I get that there's somebody listening to this right now that's like, yeah, Jimmy, what about all the people that are going to get sick from coronavirus? Well, you take risks every day, right? You get in your yeah. car, you do these things like well, society has to be in each other's presence to function. The whole idea of moving everything online is the opposite of how you connect and find fulfillment. And I just think there's a lot of lonely people sitting behind TikTok screens or sitting behind Instagram feeds. And for me, if you find yourself like scrolling all the time and spending this six, seven, eight hours, not being with physically with people, get out and go somewhere, go to the grocery store, go to the mall, go to a, a Starbucks, wherever you need to go just to physically see people and smile at them and get those responses. Well, we, you know, it's, it's so interesting, right? I, I just interviewed uh, uh, Dr. Jack, who's he's, so he's a top psychiatrist. He actually like does the does the ongoing training and certification for psychiatry in America? Oh wow! Okay. And and he he basically was just like you know I, I wonder and you know get to your crit critical questions right it was I wonder how many people are going to lose their lives from depression anxiety and stress from being locked up and the trauma that was caused over this last year right and obviously there's no data on it but it, you know as the, one of the top psychiatrists in the world he's. He's like, there's no question that people people will die because of the actions that we're taking, but it will not be something that we can directly correlate to it. Well, right? the, the, that's the hard part about like leadership for them. It's like, no, if we shut down today, the numbers of the people dying immediately will look better, but they don't care what happens in four, six, eight years because yep. of this or two years because the ball's been punted down the field yeah. and it won't be their problem. And I think that's one of the mistakes we have in or not even mistakes but one of the problems we have with four-year presidencies and four-year you know yeah. and those different things is like pun it, pun it to the next to presidency let's see what happens like, <laughs> next person's problem right we can blame yep. it on them so i don't know <laughs> well let's jump backwards now we i mean that was awesome i love that we covered that because it's a topic that i talk about a lot in the the very things you said are the exact things that i believe myself um, so who, you know, the, the front of your website says who is Xander Fryer basically. And so tell us, I mean, we, I mean, we're already 35 minutes in, but I'm loving hearing all this and it kind of goes with your own personal story. I mean, you went the corporate route. So yeah. how did you, and I think a lot of people, the number one question that I get asked from people is how did you find the group of friends that you have? The number two question I get is I'm not happy in my job. How can I fix that? Like, how can I break out of the mundane that is the job that I'm currently in? So for you, you did that. 
Yeah. Um, give us a little background of kind of what your story was and then kind of how that led you to doing what you're doing now is something you truly am passionate about. I'm absolutely. So, so we, we kind of started to dig into it, but you know, my whole, like, you know, when I was in high school, I was really good at math and sciences. So the, oh, what are you going to do when you grow up was like, oh, uh, you're going to be an engineer. We'll always need engineers. You'll have a good, stable career. You'll always be able to make money. Um, you know, cause that's, that's what we're all taught, right? The, the, you know, the stable career, the white picket fence, 2.5 kids, the nice car, the mortgage, like all of that sort of stuff is what quote unquote success is. Um, and so I went to UCLA. I had, I think I was, I was lucky because, uh, because I didn't come from a well-off family. I had to pay for my own school. And because of that, I, you know, I joined Air Force ROTC. So uh, I had a big, I had a big passion around uh, the military. So I joined Air Force ROTC to pay my way through college. And that was actually something that led me to my first run in with like something that was purposeful and passionate. You know, I was, I was mentoring people. I was leading. Um, I was actually, I got top of my class at Air Force uh, field training, which is like Air Force ROTC's version of boot camp. I got the top gun award. Um, so I was actually going to be a pilot in the Air Force. And then my senior year, uh, I actually made the really dumb decision of driving home after three beers one night and I got a DUI and was kicked out of the Air Force. So I got kicked out of the Air Force. I lost what was supposed to be the next 20 years of my life laid out for me. So I did what any like young millennial, uh, you know, lost millennial 21 year old would do. I, I took all this training and took my engineering degree and I joined the corporate world and I went and worked for, for Cisco Systems. Um, which by the way, amazing job. Like I had probably one of the best jobs out of all of my friends out of college. Um, you know, my first year, I think I made like 106 K and by the time I left, I was making a quarter million dollars. So I was making around, uh, like 245 K a year or something like that. Um, were you there by the way? I was there for five. I can't even remember anymore. Five or six years. Um, and, uh, basically, um, you know, what I, what I tell people is like, as I was going through that job, I had what everybody told me was success, right? I, I had, you know, at the end of that, I had, uh, I had, I drove a BMW. I lived in Venice beach. All my clients were companies like Disney and Facebook and LinkedIn. And, um, you know, I just, I, as a 26 year old kid, I had a standing meeting with the Disney CIO, right. Which is just crazy to think about, but like, that was, you know, everybody was like, oh man, like Xander made it but I didn't feel successful. I didn't feel happy. I didn't feel fulfilled. I wasn't enjoying what I was doing. Um, and so it took, you know, I, I was, I was really in this path of like, what, what actually is success. And because of the air force, I had started to get into self-development and reading, you know, a lot of John Maxwell and Jack Canfield, um, like all these people. And I had a, I had a meeting with a mentor of mine. I still remember this conversation. Um, I had a meeting with a mentor of mine and he asked me, Xander, like, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And, and that was really the question that really changed my life. He asked me, what would you do if you couldn't fail? And I said, I'd, I'd probably mentor full-time. I don't know what that actually is. I'd never heard of life coaching. I'd never heard of coaching in general. Um, but I was like, I'd probably mentor full-time. It's something that I love to do. But uh, you know, ever since I, I left the Air Force, I, I, don't, I, I get to do about 10% of it in, in Cisco. It's nothing part of my day-to-day. And he was an entrepreneur. He, he made about seven figures in the health and wellness space. And he said, you know, Xander, just because, just because there's a, a path laid out in front of you, does that mean you should follow it? And, and just because you're good at something, does that mean you should do it? And I, I really thought about that. And he goes, why aren't you pursuing this? And I said, well, I've got this, I've got this, you know, the, the great career. I'm going to be one of the youngest directors in Cisco's history, recent history. Like I make great money. I don't want to kill that momentum. And he goes, 
when you get to, when you get to my age, you start to realize a couple of things. Number one, that every moment is either on purpose or off purpose. And number two, every moment off purpose is a moment wasted because the one resource you can never get back is your time. And, and that's kind of the conversation we were having earlier. He really painted a picture for me that like, dude, you're going to look back 10, 15 years from now. And that 10 or 15 years is going to go by so quick. It's not even funny. Right. And he said, he, he basically pointed out, uh, he goes, Xander, you know, the difference between you and me. And I said, I don't know, you make more money than I do. And he goes, well, yeah, but the difference between you and me is I'm actually living my dream and you're just dreaming one. Wow. And ever since you've got, and ever since you've gotten kicked out of the air force, you've given up on yours. And that like, I was this like cocky, confident little kid. And he basically just pointed out that I was nothing but a scared little four-year-old scared to go after what I really wanted, scared to go after what really mattered to me. Because in my head, it was quote unquote, too risky because that's what society had painted for me. Right. But deep down, I knew, I, I knew that in the, you know, in the, the corporate world was, it was just as risky to stay there. Right. Because I had seen, I had seen people get, you know, I'd pe seen people stay there for 10 years and then get let go on a whim. Mm. Right. And so I remember when he said that to me, that was, that was on a Saturday and I think may have been lubricated by a little bit of tequila. Um, but Sunday, I couldn't stop thinking about that conversation. And then Monday morning I, I woke up and I, I get on my first call at 8am with the Disney team. And from eight to nine, I can't stop thinking I'm never going to get this hour back. And then from nine to 10 with the, with the Sony team, I'm never going to get this hour back 10 to 11 with the sales team. Never going to get this hour back 11 to 12 with the engineering team. Never going to get this hour back. By the time lunchtime hit, I couldn't stop thinking that's a morning gone that I will never get back. I literally picked up my phone and I called my manager and I said, I'm done. And that was the end. Just like that. No, I, no and I think this is, you know, this is, <laughs> this is very weird for a lot of people to hear because it's like, I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do, but the belief that I had was so visceral. It's like the one thing, the, the one thing that I cannot let go of is my time is the only resource that I cannot get back. And I couldn't keep spending like wasting time doing something rather than figuring this thing out. Right. Well, and the part of it that I love about your story. So when I was talking to that guy the other day and I said, dude, you need to go home on Monday if you're serious about this and quit your job. Yeah. And he's like, well, I can't. He just kept saying, I can't. And I said, dude, what do you mean you can't? You have a job. You just quit it. Of course you could do yeah. that. That's a human action. And I said, listen, you're not serious enough about wanting to change. The universe hasn't, it's, it's listening and you're not yeah. giving it the message it needs to hear. When you quit your job, the universe goes, oh shit, he's ready for something different. Like yeah. you have to, and I said to him, I said, if you want drastic changes in your life, it's pretty simple. You make drastic changes and quitting yep. your job is a drastic change. And he's like, yep. well, you know, and it's like, it really is that simple though. But when you, there, there's this saying that my, it's, it's my, simple, it's simple, but it's scary. It's simple, and that's why most easy, people right? don't do it. Yeah, sure. You know, my mentor would always say, he's like, when you take action, the universe will conspire in your favor. Like you yeah. have to do things though. Like there's so many times like Tony Robbins, again, he, you know, he talks about this. He says, whenever you make a giant goal, you have to immediately do something. So like, you know, I, when I was a young kid, I decided I was gonna do this TV show. And it's funny because so many, I, I look back now and I actually found one of the old episodes. I was the host of it and everything. And I looked at me and I was like, I am a baby. And I was like, oh my gosh, I had so much love for my little self. I'm like, what was I thinking? But the first thing, when I had the idea, I was sitting in a truck with my buddy, Ben, and he's like, bro, you, I was telling about this TV show idea I, I had. He goes, well, then do it. 
And I go, okay. And the next day, I think yeah. it was that day, like immediately I went out and bought all the equipment, like spent yep. half of the money I had on video equipment. It was like, it was done at that moment. I didn't give myself the option to back out or quit. And next thing you know, you've got a TV show, but yeah. you have to take an immediate action. If you're going to, you know, like I started 75 hard and uh, like 10, 12 days ago, the Andy Frisella program. And the first thing that I did is I actually went out and bought a machine from my buddy, Ryan Bowen. He's, he's has a machine that, basically filters the most amazing water in the world yeah and i have this machine in my house it's made for like giant businesses like it's huge it's in my kitchen now and it but i'm drinking so much water and that's one of the requirements to do this like i did something immediately that it hurt right you pay yeah. this machine a couple grand but the, at the end of the day i just you have to take an action immediately if you're gonna go on a diet go into your closet or your pantry throw out all the crap throw out all the bread throw out all the candy and make that action immediately and fill it yeah. up with things that are going to be healthy. Well, and there's, there's, there's two, two things that I kind of want to follow this up on because uh, there, there couldn't be more truth to that than, than like the fact that you just have to move before your brain kills the idea. You know, Mel Robbins has the five second rule. She says like, you got to take action within those five seconds. Otherwise your brain will kill the idea. Mm -hmm. um, and so the first thing that I would say is a lot of people are like, I, I get it, Jimmy. Like I'm just, or Xander, I'm just not that person. And my response is choose to be that person. Human beings are the only, we're the only animals that when you wake up tomorrow morning, you can make a decision of who you want to be. Mm. Like a, a dog cannot make a decision to be a cat. A cannot, cat cannot make a decision to be a bird, right? But you as a human can make a decision to start being an action taker, start being decisive, start being courageous and do the shit that scares you. You can actually make that decision tomorrow. So that's the first thing that I'd say to everybody. Um, and the second thing, that I would say um, is just like you mentioned is like you you did something you did something immediately that got you committed to it, right? So it wasn't just an action. You bought the filter for two thousand bucks, right? Well, if you buy the filter, it's like shit. Like I can't back out now. Like I bought this thing already, right? So that's the other thing that you know that I did is like as soon as I quit, um, and everybody everybody's always like. Yeah, but Xander, you made so much money. You probably had a stockpile of money sitting in your in your safe. You guys, I'm a millennial. Like, what do you think I did with that money? It was all spent. It was all gone, right? So, like, I had I had maybe three months of living expenses saved up when I quit, but within that first thirty days, I invested all of my savings and probably about twenty thousand dollars in credit cards into mentors, coaching programs, uh, uh, masterminds, things to help, like ensure that I was committed and accountable to making this thing. Uh, a reality when I quit because at, you know after I did all of that there was no going backwards yeah. right I I had I was fully committed to moving forward and that was what was what was really important for me. One of the defining moments of my entire life I was I was about six months into real estate and I had a meat business I was selling steak and chicken and then I also was in school I mean I was doing a lot of different things and the real estate really wasn't going very well I'd only sold you know maybe four or five houses because I was kind of just all over the place and yeah. I did a seminar for this guy named Mike Ferry. And they, they teach us in the seminar, all these things I'd always wanted to know. And at the time, I mean, again, I'd sold four or five homes in my entire career. It was like six months in. And I was deciding if I was going to stay in real estate or not. And I go to day one of the seminar and they give us this homework assignment and I go home and do it. And it works. I get a lead, you know, and yeah. the next day they give us a couple homework assignments. I go home and I do it. And I'm like, man, this is everything I've ever wanted to learn. And so the third day they introduced their coaching program and I'm 24, 23, 24 years old. And, uh, and this program was a thousand dollars a month with a 12 month commitment. I had less than $2,000 to my name, Yep. less than $2,000. Like I was dead broke. 
And I went up to the guy at the break, the final break, and I said, listen, I want to do this, but I don't have any money. I have a deal closing in like five weeks. If you can take my information, as long as yeah. you don't run my card now, because um, it won't go through, then I'm in. <laughs> and he said, no, we can do that. We'll make it work. And I remember writing my information. And I, I remember writing, dude, like, please do not run this card till I tell you. Like, I, I will, I will die. Card. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And um, but I threw my hat over the fence, right? As the saying goes, burned the bridges. Yep. And that moment I was committed. I made a decision and I love the word decision, decisive. It means to cut off. It means to literally to separate where you don't have other options. I made the decision in that moment that I was going to be a real estate agent. I yeah. was going all in and I did. From that day forward, I shut down the meat business. I quit doing the TV show. I dropped out of school and it was all in on real estate. And over the next six months, by the end of that year, I'd closed 60 homes. Like the next six months were insane. I mean, you know, I, and, but that was a defining moment of my life when I took that chance on myself. And I said, I don't have the money to do this. This yeah. makes no sense logically whatsoever, but I'm an entrepreneur and I'm yeah. right brained enough that I went, you know what, I can probably pull this thing off. And I just went, I'm done. I'm going to go do it. And so anyway, it, it is making those decisions that really bring about the universe that gives it an opportunity to bless you. Well, I think, I think you, you just kind of hit on something, you know, you being right brained enough. And I think what's really, I, I want to echo this for everybody listening to this, whether you're an entrepreneur going for a business and more money, or whether you're a stay at home mom, then you just want more fulfillment and a better family and better relationships, or you're both at the, you're an entrepreneur and the stay at home mom, or, or you're a kid going through college, whatever it is. I think the one piece of advice that I would give there is that like, common knowledge is is actually going to be one of the most dangerous things for you. So like all the social norms, all the all the things that everybody tells us we should be doing or or like rationale or logic, like if you want to have a happy, successful, fulfilled life, you're going to have to be irrational. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to have to be irrational. That's the only way that you're going to have what other people don't have, right? Mm -hmm. If you want what everybody else has, if you want the norm, the average, then be rational, be logical. But if you want more, if you want better, if you want different, you have to be illogical. You have to go after that. Yeah, I love that. And, and you know, it's the thing that I've always, I've never been afraid which, of. Being, which, by the way, as an engineer was like the hardest thing in the world for me. But well, if I could do it, anybody can do it. Yeah. Yeah. You're not, it's not your natural behavior. Like, oh, it, not it, at all. It's terrifying. It's for sure. <laughs> I know my natural behavior. It is. I'm a risk taker. I'm spontaneous. <laughs> I don't think about the consequences, all these different things. Right. But um, what I was going to say is is there's there's it's one of those things that you can train yourself like people think if they're born analytical or expressive or driver that that's just what they are and no like a intelligence emotional intelligence um you know street smarts if you would is being able to recognize where you're strong and where you're weak naturally yep. and being able to adapt to those things like naturally i'm terrible at schedules at planning and all these different things so i have to like set literally like rules into my life to make sure that I do that correctly. Um, what I'm really good at is some of the things that come naturally, but they also can be my biggest downfall is I move quick. I make decisions fast. I, I, I'm not afraid to just go for it, but I also get in trouble for that. Right. Like I'm untying <laughs> a business right now. We yeah. opened this, you know, sports card shop with some buddies and I didn't vet one of the partners because I just took somebody else's word for it. That Cause was, you just like, move. Yeah. You normally move quickly on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just, I didn't, I, I 
dude, the dude had a bankruptcy a year ago and he owes all these people money. There's all these people that I know that are suing him. And one of my best friends is like, I was talking to him about it. He goes, dude, I wanted to be a partner, but I was never gonna be a partner with that guy in the business. I'm like, what the hell? Like how little research did I actually do on this guy? Like, and it turned out to be a disaster. Hundreds of thousands of dollars were missing very quickly from the company. And just, it's, it's been, oh, man. we've had to untie that and like freaking get him out and all these different things. It's been a lot of a mess only because the part of me that is expressive and moves quickly didn't do the research that somebody like you, an engineer, would have never signed the oh, documents yeah. without doing all that homework. If I would have even done a little bit of research, I would have known about his bankruptcy. I would have known about the people suing him. I would have known my buddy was like, no, dude, that dude's crooked as a question mark. Yeah. You know? So I wouldn't have done it. But anyway, long story short, the good news is I also move fast. So once we recognize the problem, we quickly move to eradicate it and fix it. And you, now we you, can- you were decisive and you, you exactly, cut ties yeah. quickly. I, yeah. I didn't need to... I didn't care about his feelings anymore. It was like, no, this is a mistake. This is going south very quickly. Let's fix the problem. So, but it's knowing your strengths, knowing your weaknesses really helps you to uh, be able to, um, to, to just to have that intelligence level where you relate to all types of people. And the more versatile you can be, the more relationships you're going to be able to have in your life. And I think you kind of hit it on the nose as well, though. It's like, know your strengths, know your weaknesses, but don't consider them a death sentence. I'm like, let me yes. reiterate here. And and it might not seem like it on this podcast because, you know, me and Jimmy are shooting the shit, having a good time. I'm an introvert. Like, this is work for me. This is hard for me. When I, I'm all over social media, I've got a, a top podcast. I've, I'm on videos every single day. I host workshops with, you know, hundreds of people every single week. That's all really hard work for me. I'm an introvert. Like I would, if you could just like have me do what I wanted to do, I'm also a total woo-woo. So I'd probably just be sitting on the, on the beach, like meditating all day long. Dude, I give you credit because I know that about you. Like your behavioral style is so opposite of what you do. And it's, it's a testament to you. It's, you know, I have the same problems, but opposite. I have problems sitting down and writing out scripts and like doing that kind of stuff, right? Like getting the nuts and bolts together. But like, it's so satisfying to do it and to learn about yourself and to be able to push through that. And so I give you a lot of credit, man, because being an engineer and being, and by the way, if you are like an engineer and you're kind of like, have that behavioral style where you're very analytical, if you can master actually pushing through that and going like, and like social, just taking action, taking people. action when you're scared, do the yeah. social shit, like do all that stuff. Like you can do all this you stuff. Drive very quickly because there's so few, cause you're so intelligent and they're so good at like, once you do make a decision, you don't need to be talked back into it 20 times. Like, cause you've done your homework, yeah. you know, and like you're in. And so that's, yeah. I love working with people like you because once they get the vision of it, once they've seen it, they're all in and, and the, you don't have to keep convincing them every day to go do their yeah, job. There's no, there's, there's no questions. Once I've made the decision, let's go. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, I think we could talk all day. So many fun things to talk about. If people want to learn more, um, I want to direct them to the right place. Where's the best place to send people listening to this? They're like, okay, these dudes are onto something. Let's, uh, let's get some more information. Yeah, I would I would just check us out on uh, on podcasts or either on iTunes or Spotify, the shit you don't learn in college podcast. Um, and if you want to just learn more about me, my story, and what we do at High Impact Coaching, you can go to xanderfryer.com, Z-A-N-D-E-R-F-R-Y-E-R. Dude, I appreciate it, man. We'll see you again. So are you going to be going down to uh, Dallas here in a couple of weeks for the that's, uh, mastermind? That's the plan. Yeah. All right, dude. Well, it's I a would, real estate mastermind. The world, man. <laughs> By the way, dude, I love that our last mastermind, uh, you just came up to me and like, I was, I don't remember how, but we started talking about these real estate deals that we do in other states. And I appreciate you reaching out because how many have you bought now? You've got just one so far. Or you got a couple. We're yeah, we're working on one, but we're lining up. But like, we're we're gonna buy a bunch from you. So 
Yeah. I knew we had the first one kind of going or whatever. Part part of it, part of it is because uh, your partner, Tyler, does such a good job satisfying my engineering brain. You know, he's like, we run through all the nitty gritty details and all the numbers. And I'm like, this, this is an easy yes. This is an easy yes. That's why our partnership works so well is because he's a numbers guy, right? And so I'm the base. I go out, I network, I get people excited. And then I turn them over to Tyler, somebody like you. I actually told Tyler to go, dude, this guy's going to freaking love the performer because he used to be an yeah. engineer and we break every number down. It's kind of becomes a no brainer. You're like, oh yeah, this is obvious. It's, it's yes. easy. Yeah. I didn't, I don't think I pitched you once to try to close you, sell you anything. I didn't have to. All I did is present no. the information and it's done. And, I was, and- I was sold at the first pro forma you sent my direction. <laughs> Well, it's fun, man. Well, I'm sure we'll keep doing plenty more uh, business things and uh, appreciate you so much and look forward to hanging out down in Dallas. Awesome. Thanks, man. Take care. All right. That's all we have for today, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Shit You Don't Learn in College. And if you did, please share this episode on your social media and tag at Xander Fryer. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and give us a five-star rating so you don't miss any other great episodes. We can only spread our message when you share this knowledge with the others that need it. So we really appreciate the support. Thanks a ton.